Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, after um, Bill's excellent sermon last week, preaching out of Matthew, talking about detours and how after Jesus was born, it seems nothing went right. Luke talks about not detours, but just the straight road, just doing things the way they're supposed to be done, just doing things according to expectation. And it's, it's interesting that this is included in the scriptures. And you know how it is. People come down here from up north, and if they tell you about when they arrived, they would say, well, we Ubered over to the airport. We were so glad our car started when we got to the condo. And then we went to Publix, and then we went to Costco, and then we went to Home Goods, and then we came back. And, you know, the typical sort of story that we all, that we all hear about. And it's like ho-hum. That whole hum stuff is included in Luke's gospel as he talks about what these parents do. It's kind of like one of those stories that seems to lack a punchline, except this has a very special punchline. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the gospel of Luke. Eight Eight days after Jesus' birth, When he was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required of the law in the law of the Lord, either a pair of two dirtle two turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, let now your servant depart in peace according to your word. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was there in the temple. 
She was the daughter of Phanuel of, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for, the, for God to, re, to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned to their home in Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So one Sunday afternoon, getting back from vacation when I was living in Holland, Michigan, the lawn was like at least ankle high. And uh, so I went out with my son. We had two push mowers, and it was a large backyard, about a half acre, all grass, all having to be cut badly. So church was over. Lunch was over. Rather than taking a nap on that particular Saturday, we went out and started cutting the grass. Now this is Holland, Michigan, where police would enforce whether or not kids were out on tennis courts on Sundays. Holland, Michigan, where parents would talk about you can go straight on your bicycle, but you can't turn. Holland, Michigan. I was from California. What do I know? Well, the neighbor came out, and he, uh, he let me know that I was violating the Sabbath. I said, well, I'm a minister. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It doesn't matter. I mean, I was foolish to argue with him. And you know something? He was right. I was dishonoring the Sabbath by creating the noise of the mowers for them and breaking their, their Sabbath rest. And I wasn't paying close enough attention to, to just do those things that are required. Even though in California, I mean, nothing's required in California. That's no standard of anything. But, but in Michigan, they maintained a particular sort of way of life that gave structure and predictability and stability to life. And I was violating that. There's something about just staying straight, doing things according to the rules. Just, just doing what you're supposed to do. That's what these two were doing. Mary and Joseph, well, they, they had the child circumcised and they, were, they take it to the temple for the purification, for the rite of purification. And Mary had to go through that. And, and one thing after another, I'm sure that once they got up to Nazareth, when he got to be about five years old, they signed him up for soccer. And then seven years old is T-ball. And they go through all of the things that parents do. They, they do things that seem to be not that big a deal. 
seem to be kind of irrelevant. But somehow, somehow just doing the right thing day in and day out is also part of living a life of faith. Just continuing on and, and doing as, and you know, some kind, sometimes expectations are kind of dumb. But we better know ahead of time if those violations, if we are violating those expectations. We better be conscious of it. So that we know and we honor the larger culture into which we have been born and in which we live. And, and sometimes those things are wrong and all of that. We all know that. But in the main, to just do the right thing, that's the other aspect of life and faithfulness that was demonstrated by, by Joseph and Mary. But Jesus was born into a tumultuous world. His birth happened, if you take 50 years, both sides of that, there were probably 135,000 people who were killed in that region because of insurrections. That, that area, well, they celebrated overthrowing the Greeks, but then in come the Romans. And, and however Rome may have accommodated their, their faith practices, they did not like those Roman soldiers parading up and down their streets. They didn't like those Roman soldiers essentially taking over their communities. They didn't like the fact that Herod was in league, in league with Rome. It was a tumultuous time, a hard time. And it was a time in which the people were asking, where is God? Where is God? Jesus was born into a world not unlike our own into a where is God world. A world where we ask those tough questions of ourselves all the time and, and of God when things are going in a particular way and we cannot understand why it is the way it is and where is God to address these things and where is God to quiet that truck right there. We always have those times when we are, we're asking those most fundamental questions about life. God seems absent. But what is being declared at Christmas time is that God took on human flesh. That God became human. God became a man. And what God did was go to every length possible to be near to us. When we read the Old Testament, we see God being faithful and God trying and trying over and over again to, to be in relationship with us. And we go running off. We go off after false gods or just in rank disobedience. We're not playing by the rules. We, we leave God and and God still tries and, and makes every effort. He goes to the infinite length of effort to be near to us, to be close to us. So he takes on human flesh. And what is that but the profound declaration that love has come to us? 
Love is real. And love is made flesh in Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see how tenderly he speaks and tenderly he touches those who need love so desperately. Love came down. And yet we live in a kind of a secularizing time. Time in which such things as God, of course, and, and consequently love. Well, we want to affirm the reality of love, but, but somehow we want to excise God out of life. We want to take him out. Nobel Prize winning physicist Francis Crick has this to say about Christianity and about love. Christianity may, may be okay for consenting adults in private, which should not be taught to young children. And he also says, a person's mental, emotional activities are entirely due to the behavior of nerve cells, glial cells, and the atoms, ions, and molecules that make them up and influence them. In other words, love is not real. It's simply a result of a bunch of stuff going on inside of our, inside of our minds and our bodies. Our minds send these signals to our bodies and our, so our stomachs get that, that fluttering experience and we find ourselves infatuated and then, and then in love and then in order to maintain community we, we exercise the disciplines and all of that and he says all of this exists in here all of it love with my atheist friends one of the ways that I hooked them was to say you can't prove that your wife loves you or that you love your wife. And I had him there. But we can't. We can't prove this. We can't prove the reality of love. That love comes down. Somehow when Simeon held that baby. Jesus who was eight days old. Or older than that actually. But. Just a baby. Perhaps those, those round little hands were grabbing at his beard. And he saw that little face. And he saw love incarnate. That love had become real. And he said, Lord, I can die now. I've seen what I need to see. I know that there is meaning and truth and reality to this life because I can see with this child that all things have come together. Love came down. So C.S. Lewis says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your hearts will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. 
Look it up, say, lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Love came down. And the vulnerability of God was demonstrated as Simeon held that little baby. And the vulnerability of God was displayed. And at that moment, his heart was filled with joy. And he said, oh Lord, I'm done. Thank you. I'm done. I've seen what I need to see. And what a gracious moment it is when in our lives, the earlier that we can come to that moment where we know the fullness of life is when we see the reality of Christ come to us, God taking on human flesh. And so that we can live each day knowing that if this is the day, I'm okay. I'm good with it. I don't have to redeem myself. I don't have to fix something of my past. I know my sins are forgiven. I know I'm free. Lord, let us now, thy servant, if it be this day, depart in peace according to thy word. In him we have not just freedom to love, but freedom to live. Remember, Augustine said, if we fear God... We have nothing to fear. If we fear not God, we have everything to fear. And if we're free to live, we're free to die. Free to die. And we truly are free to live. You bow with me in prayer. Thank you, O Lord, for revealing to these Dear saints, the truth of what you had revealed in your Son. Thank you, O Lord, for that immaculate conception that takes place in our hearts every time your love becomes so real to us that it cannot be resisted. Thank you, O Lord, for prying open our hearts and giving us newness of life. We thank you in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.